Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. So great to have you here with us on this Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, as we're going to be discussing everything going on in the world of Duke basketball ahead of March Madness. Three games remain on the schedule for the Duke Blue Devils, and so I want to bring on my good pal, Connor O'Neill, to discuss all things Duke men's basketball here on today's program. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to speed on everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Watch us on YouTube each and every day. Press that subscribe button. Leave us your thoughts and comments on YouTube. I love interacting with fans that way. And uh, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Without further ado, I'm very thrilled to bring on my good pal Connor O'Neill, who joins us now here on today's show. It's great to see you once again this week. I hope you're doing well, Connor. Doing great. Uh, we're... There's no middle ground in basketball season. You're either at the beginning of it or you're at the end of it. Now we're really <laughs> into the end of it. So. We really are, man. It's it's now or never time for so many of these teams. As I mentioned, just three games left in the regular season for Duke and for so many other teams across the sport. And, and Duke finds themselves all of a sudden riding a three-game winning streak uh, with two more games set to be played at home inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. What have you thought of the play over the last week? Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think they're playing some of their best basketball this year. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with having some roster continuity for really the first time. Uh, when when Derek Whitehead had come back, uh, then Jeremy Roach has the foot injury against Purdue, and he plays through it and plays well and then doesn't play well. And then he comes back and then you have Derek Whitehead go down again. Um, Derek Lively has dealt with the uh, calf injury at the beginning of the year. He was sick in the same game Whitehead was. So now what you're seeing is, is a team that's been able to practice consistently together. Um, I feel like I'm echoing John Shire, so I'm giving coach speak, but you know, at some point we have to trust the coach speak. Uh, they're not they're not just making stuff up to say it. Um, so when he talks about how important it is that you know guys like Tyrese and Jeremy Proctor or Jeremy Proctor, Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach have have been through consistent practices, then that's why you see a few more lobs going up to Derek Lively. They have a better feel for where he wants to catch the ball. Uh, his catch radius is insane, by the way. So <laughs> yes, it is. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how much adjusting there has to be there. You just throw it up to him and he goes and gets it. Uh, but, but yeah, um, you're, you're starting to see the finally um, the benefits of some continuity there. There was a lob that lively caught in the Syracuse game over the weekend that I, I still don't understand how he was able to reach back, catch it and finish uh, and make the play there. Yeah, we've got to normalize. We, we've got to normalize in basketball the phrase catch radius. Like that's something <laughs> you hear all the time in football. Uh, you hear about it, you know guys like Randy Moss and and uh, you go on and on with right. the list of receivers. But yeah, basketball is the same thing. Like some guys, you got to put it right in a specific spot for them to flush a lob. Others are like Derek, man. You just 
throw it anywhere close and you Get feel like somewhere. he's going to go up and make a play on it. He's he's so twitchy. He's got such great uh, coordination. It's it's you know the the part that stands out to you. The coordination is how he's able to guard on the perimeter and how how connected his feet and hands are that he can move with guys that are like a foot shorter than him and still stay in front of them. But there, there's there's a whole other part to his athleticism where he can go up and get the ball in a lot of different places that are tougher to get to for, for a lot of other guys. Competition aside, Duke is able to knock off Louisville earlier in the week on Monday night, 79-62, and then also had the 22-point victory over Syracuse. We had seen uh, earlier in the season those quick Saturday-Monday turnarounds were not too kind for Duke, although in those instances – Duke was the home team on Saturday, road team on Monday. This time it was flipped. And again, you can factor in the level of competition, right? Louisville has only won four basketball games this season. It does feel like from the outside they are improving a little bit, although the wins aren't necessarily coming along. What, what was uh, other big reasons why Duke was able to pull off the Saturday-Monday win, something they hadn't done already this year? Yeah, they really dialed in to this one. Um, not to say they weren't dialed in before, but I, I do think um, you have an emotional two-point win against um, Miami on that Saturday. And then you go to Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech, I think, shot 60 or 70% in the first half of that game. I mean, I was up there in Blacksburg. It was just a, an offensive clinic uh, for the Hokies in the first half. <laughs> And, and, you know, some teams are going to make some shots on you. That's just going to happen, but it, it, not to that level. Uh, if, you're, if you're dialed into a scouting report, if you're playing hard defensively. Um, and then you have the emotional win against Carolina. You win the first Duke Carolina game of the year. Uh, you make winning plays down the stretch and score the last six points of the game to win by six. Then you go on the road to Miami and just lay an egg. Uh, <laughs> Norchad O'Meara had hit one three all year, and he hits one from about 25 feet on the first possession, and it's just like you're sunk. Um, I do think there's also something to be said for playing the, the Saturday game on the road, coming home that night, and having all day Sunday to be at home and to, to rest, and then having Monday a normal prep in your home gym as opposed to you play a game on Saturday night, you win, you then, you know, wake up on Sunday, get on a plane, fly yeah. somewhere. The hustle bustle of traveling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a different feeling on your body. Uh, it, it, it just is. Um, I'm, I'm also right there with you with Louisville. Like that, that I went to Ryan young. Uh, I go to Ryan young frequently in the Duke locker room because he is such a smart guy. Uh, yeah. He's always insightful. And yeah, he's, he's, I, I even asked, like, I, I think I said something like, you know, the, the pessimism here is you look at this and you say, oh, well, Duke played a team that's in last in the ACC. Like they're, you guys aren't going to get much credit. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, you, you can say that, but that team just beat Clemson. And I, I went and checked my story to make sure I had this right. Clemson's ahead of Duke in the standings by half. <laughs> like, if, if that doesn't catch your attention for how dangerous this game could have been for Duke, I don't know what would. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's not a matter of uh, this Louisville team laying down and, and just playing out the season like they're Ryan even even mentioned this, you know, they're 
in a way at this time of year, they're a more dangerous team than some of the teams in front of them in the standings because they have nothing to lose. They're not, they're not playing for a, for a resume win. They're not playing for a quad one opportunity. I mean, Louisville doesn't, doesn't care anything about the quads right now. So they're, they're a team playing with house money. That's the same kind of team that Duke beat a week ago uh, with Notre Dame coming to town. You know, their coaches going out, uh, they have all these, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth-year guys that have been to the tournament. They haven't had the season they want to have, but they're not just jacking 30-footers with 20 seconds on the shot clock every possession. They're still right. playing out the season. They're playing hard. Those teams are are kind of tricky to deal with at this time of year, and, and in some ways they're trickier to deal with than your, you know, your, uh, your Virginia Tech or your Wake Forest or your Carolina – which are all searching for these big resume boosting wins. Um, it's, it's sometimes and I, I know I'm, I'm probably trying to sell a, a false bill of goods to some of the listeners here, but, <laughs> but really it is, it's, it's, that's the way the coaches feel. That's the way the players feel. Um, and, and I'm inclined to agree with them. Duke men's basketball now has 20 wins on the season, 20 wins in year one of the John Shire era with three games left to go here in the regular season. Let's continue to talk about Duke basketball. One player in particular that could really make a difference come March. We'll tell you about that after this timeout here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. I absolutely love FanDuel, and I need to tell you that at the midway point of the NBA season, this is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The NBA is coming back into action later this weekend after the All-Star break, and you can take the opportunity to bet on everything from money line to point scores, three-point shot strength, future odds as the NBA playoffs are getting closer and closer. All of this can be found at FanDuel, and you got to go check out that no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back into Lockdown Blue Devils here today. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill. So, uh, Connor, I want to keep talking about this Duke team. Three games left in the regular season. Uh, still some positioning to play for also in the ACC standings for the tournament, right? It's better to have a double bye if you can and not have to play as many games going into ACC tournament weekend. Uh, going deep in the ACC tournament can help your NCAA tournament seeding. Uh, and one player in particular has has really picked up his level of play. A lot of people didn't believe uh, if we'd see him continue to play after one of those Monday night games, after the game in Blacksburg. But to, how about the play of Derek Whitehead, his three-point shooting ability? He's turned into an absolute marksman there from the outside. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was kind of curious uh, – where I was going, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to out your show prep here, but I, I didn't know that you were going Dariq. I, I actually thought you might be going Mark Mitchell. Yeah, uh, I could. I, I want to save him for later. Let the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's interesting with Dariq. Um, I think what what we're seeing is you kind of have to recalibrate what your expectations were for him coming into the year. Like coming into the year, everybody thought he was going to be 
you know, correct me if I'm mistaken, but kind of a Jason Tatum, like a, a primary ball handler on the wing who could do a bit of everything, facilitate, uh, play some point forward almost, uh, get to all three levels, score at all three levels. I'm not saying that he's not those things. I think it's just the the injuries and the stop-and-go nature of his season has stunted his growth as that type of player in college. No doubt. So where he deserves a ton of credit and where Duke's staff deserves a ton of credit for getting him to this point instead of having him, you know, moan or, or gripe. I mean, we've not heard any whispers of, of him being a locker room problem in, in not being able to be the player that he thinks he could be. He's basically become this team's three point shooting threat. Uh, Tyrese Proctor hit four against um, Louisville. That was a good sign. Like he's, he's really, I saw somebody on Twitter. I, I can't remember who it was to give proper credit, but somebody laid out Tyrese Proctor's shooting has basically come in thirds of the season. And is the first third of the season, he was, pretty bad the second third he he had shown some improvement this this last third of the season he's really showing to be a knockdown three-point shooter but I still think Tariq Whitehead is your best threat on the perimeter uh he's he's got a lot of confidence you see it he kind of exudes it um to to seal a line from from Dick Vitale uh during the Syracuse game he he does he has this kind of aura about him where you where you kind of understand, like, he knows he's the guy. Uh, that's the way he shoots. That's not always the way he plays. Like, that's not going to be his role on this team. There's not enough time left in the season for that to become his role on the team. Um, but where he really has excelled is accepting his role as a three-point shooter, as a guy that you might be able to say he's the only guy on the roster that should take a three before – they get on the court and dribble or make a move or get to the rim. Like everybody else you want to see play inside out. Right. And with Dariq, you're actually okay with him coming in probably Grandison too. Now that I, now that I say it out loud, but those two um, you're, you're really looking at, okay, you come in and, and you're one of your number one responsibilities is to come in and knock down threes. And the difference is Grandison, that's that's what he was brought to Duke to do. Like that, that was his role. That was his, you know, he's in the transfer portal. He is a set shooter. Um, Dariq was was number one overall recruit and everything. He's also become a set shooter, and he's been really good in that role. Yeah, it's just for one of those things. You know, you think about March Madness, Connor, and, and these big games coming up, and you think about the big upsets that we've seen over the years. It just always uh, it, the three-point shot has been the greatest equalizer, and this has been a Duke team that has really struggled this season from three-point range. And I just feel like if any noise really wants to happen from the Duke squad, that three-point shooting is going to have to be there, and Whitehead has been kind of the leader among them all. Grandison has also been a player who stepped up. He started taking more shots when he's out there. I think it's – I don't know why it took so long to figure out that the shooter – transfer would shoot the basketball when he came into the game uh, and you're right Proctor's shooting has greatly improved I want to get to Mark Mitchell in a moment I was just in the mind space uh, as a former chucker myself I never <laughs> saw a shot that I didn't like I needed to give some love to three-point shooters I'm right there with you I was 
it wasn't until like my last year of, of actually organized basketball that I embraced like you can be a pest on defense and, and you can <laughs> rebounding make an impact. <laughs> rebound, I'm five nine. Rebounding wasn't just for the guys over six foot. Like I can get in there and pick it up too. Uh, I can't jump for for a lick, but I can move people out of the way. So yeah, you know, no. I'm with you on the chucker aspect. I love it. So we've got uh, this Duke team. Three games left in the regular season. Two of them are at home against Virginia Tech and NC State. Has there been anything different about you know the the play at Cameron Indoor Stadium this year in year one of John? Obviously, this has been one of the toughest venues to play in the entire sport. But as what you well know, even taking COVID-19 out of the equation, the last five, six, seven years, Duke hasn't been as um, intimidating there, there at Cameron. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's, you know, I think I talked about this one of the last couple times I was on. Uh, oh. That team last year had so much pressure on them to win in Cameron. And it's it it wasn't the fault of anybody. Uh, I'm not I'm not assigning blame here. I'm just kind of speaking on what I picked up being there for most of the home games last year. Man, every time a team would string together a couple buckets against them last year, it was you could kind of feel some palpable panic in the room. Uh, I think that's how you lose three home games last year. I I, I you know. The only team that you could say was better than Duke last year was Carolina in that game. Uh, right. and there was there was plenty of panic that night when kind of reality set in and the the Gestapo looking former players behind Duke's bench. You could kind of sense that there was some turmoil building in that group that, that, that Coach K was going to lose his <laughs> final home game. Um, there's none of that this year. It's, it's kind of free and, and uninhibited. Um, a couple times this year, uh, we've been standing around and, you know, the, the clock's ticking down and the warmups are going and it gets to five or six minutes left. Uh, means there's about nine or 10 till tip when the pregame facilities really kick in. And it's not really been a full atmosphere. Like you can look around at the, at the upper level and there's, gobs of empty seats and it usually fills in like it, you 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 look up there and you might start to think and this happened on on monday night against the louisville team that obviously not many people are going to get really fired up to come see a four and 23 team on a monday night right um but you look up there at the under 16 or the under 12 media timeouts in the first half they filled in like the the people are the people are here. Uh, it's just I think it's a little different than last year. Last year people wanted to be in the building for a really long time. Like they wanted to make sure they were in their seats to see Coach K walk out onto the court during that final season. This year, like all due respect to John, but nobody's making sure they're in their seats to see John walk out. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that as a as a slight toward John. It's just it's the reality of what last year was yeah. and what this year has been. And, no doubt about uh, that. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting season there. I think I think finishing undefeated at home to means a lot to this team. Uh I think it'll mean a lot to John. He said as as recently as Monday night, um this these are the best fans in the country. Uh he made a joke about how he felt when when he came on his recruiting visit, he fell in love with Cameron and the fans and the atmosphere and 
then threw a little dig at Chris Collins, who was his recruiter, and said, Chris thinks uh, it's because of his recruiting pitch. And no, it, it's because of Cameron. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the thing I'm more interested in is how this team plays at home against two teams that beat them. Right. Uh, that's that's the rematch aspect of this that I'm really kind of kind of fired up for these last two home games. It's going to be fun. Virginia Tech on Saturday, NC State next Tuesday, and then, of course, next Saturday, March 4th, we will see the Blue Devils travel to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. All right, let's get set for one more quick timeout on the other side of this break. Why the pride of Kansas City, Kansas, Sunrise Christian Academy's very own Mark Mitchell could make a big difference for the Duke Blue Devils here down the stretch. Thanks so much for always making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen and first watch each and every day. After this is over, make sure that you go check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. We're talking a lot about selection. Sunday right around the corner, and I'm known to be a little biased in favor of the team in Durham. That's why you got to check out Locked On College Basketball. Those guys keep you honest. Andy Patton and Isaac Shade do a remarkable job letting you know everything about the sport in one place. Plus, make sure you hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball, and it's available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill uh, from Devils Illustrated. Tell me a little bit about your work. How can people follow you? Uh, what kind of content do you have this time of year, Connor? Yeah, so if you're looking down there at the, the bottom of the screen, uh, my, my Twitter handle shows up, Connor O'Neill underscore D.I. Um, D.I. is double meaning. I also cover Wake Forest, so that's Deacons Illustrated. But the Duke stuff you'll want to read is at Devils Illustrated. Perfect. Uh, duke.rivals.com and we're we're fired up in in season right now um breaking down monday night's game previewing games uh i like to think that i'm hitting on on a lot of predictions i had mark <laughs> Mitchell as my player to watch going into yeah. the monday night game and man he he made me look really smart with like what do you what do you have 10 or 11 at the in the first half so yep absolutely great game for Mitchell down the stretch uh, made some plays there to win and then also as you mentioned I think he had 11 in the first half uh, that really kind of paced Duke and set the tone five players and double figures for Duke everybody that played had an assist on the evening in their win over Louisville which was uh, impactful so uh, I love three-point shooting as we talked about a little bit earlier also as a lefty myself I'm going to favor those left-handed players. And so Mark Mitchell deserves a ton of praise for the way he's been playing as of late. What can you tell me about Mark Mitchell, Connor? I can tell you my dog, Bo, really uh, <laughs> yeah. seems to – I don't know if he's cheering for Mark Mitchell or he's not. He's feeling Mitchell. good this morning. I love it. Yeah, there must be a delivery out there for, for somebody. But, um, <laughs> man, I've been impressed with Mark. Uh, that first half against Notre Dame – uh, I had him – the the official box had him at playing six and a half minutes, and I think he missed one shot and had zero stats otherwise. Not a rebound, not an assist, not a turnover. Wow. <laughs> uh, just nothing. Right. Um, we, we found out in the locker room after that game that uh, – I can't remember which player it was. I think it was either Flip or Grandison said, coach really got on Mark at halftime. Uh, kind of – 
wanted him to be more assertive, and that's why you see him make two threes in the second half against Notre Dame, the big dagger in the corner when it was only a one-point game. I think that breeds some confidence for Mark going forward. Uh, I think you saw that yeah. against Syracuse. He attacked off the dribble. Um, it it kind of gets lost in the shuffle when you make 13 threes, and he doesn't make one of those 13 against Syracuse. But he – the the – the bigger takeaway I took from the Syracuse game was he had five assists. Um, it comes with the caveat that everybody gets assists against Syracuse. You have to get <laughs> assists against the zone. I think like 75% of the baskets that are scored against Syracuse are assisted. It's always like the worst uh, Ken Palm measure for an ACC team. But where I look at Mark Mitchell had five assists against Syracuse. Mark Mitchell didn't have an assist in the previous three games. Wow. That was 56 minutes on the court. Um, and then that that kind of parlays forward and goes into – I think he had 13 points against Louisville. He, he – even with the missed dunk, uh, yeah. where he went up and you, it was one of those moments you could see half of him wanted to dunk it, the other half wanted to just lay it in, and he's caught between a rock and a hard place and ends <laughs> up smoking it. Uh, anybody I, – I think that's one where uh, – you and I, I, you might be able to dunk. I can't dunk. I don't. I don't know if I've ever. Thank dealt you with for that. the assumption, but it's the one thing in life I tell people all the time. If I could do anything athletically just once in my life and die a happy man, it would be to dunk on a ten foot basketball goal. <laughs> I don't think I'm the only. I, what does that feel like? I want to experience it once, Connor. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to have that too. Um, I don't know if it's my number one, but it's up there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can't say I've ever dealt firsthand with that dilemma, but I know what it looks like when other people do. We've seen it many times, yeah. <laughs> and, and we saw it with Mark uh, against Louisville. But he played a great game. Um, and he brings another dimension to the to at least the starting lineup. When he's attacking off the dribble, when he's not playing hesitant, when he's able to get into the paint and create problems, when you have him going to the basket and then Filipowski and Lively crashing on the other side, unless you just like two hand overhead soccer pass the ball off the backboard, something good is probably going to happen. Like, unless you, unless you deliberately start the other team on a fast break, you're either scoring or you're probably putting the ball in a position where flipper lively can clean it up. Yeah. So that's, that's what I want to see. And that's, that's what we've kind of seen uh, for the last two and a half games. Really good stuff from Mark Mitchell as of late hoping he can have a big impact on the Stoop team as they get set for March Madness. Connor, as always, the time is so greatly appreciated. Thanks once again for stopping by the program today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's my good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Make sure you check out his work, duke.rivals.com, for remarkable coverage of John Shire's bunch ahead of March. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for the support of our podcast as well. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Subscribe to our show on YouTube as you watch each and every day and leave us a five-star rating and written review on the Apple Podcast platform. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.